All right, John Conti, come on up here. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. John is, um, and Sylvia, are such uh, precious servants to this family. Uh, they are people who have gifting in pastoral care. They have a shepherd's heart. And so with their life group and others, they really rally together themselves and, and ours and things behind the scenes that no one knows about, but also often uh, will need us to join with them and in helping uh, minister to the needs of the body. We're so grateful for that. We're so grateful for your leadership uh, with the rocks on the um, Open the Wells Worship and Prayer Night. We're so grateful in your leadership on the board, John, and, and also the ministry they have to the younger generation here at Living Waters. Uh, uh, John is a key uh, minister in the children's ministry, and um, and you do that, uh, John, you know, wholeheartedly, and the young people love you here, and so we're so grateful. Uh, John is retired uh, military, and he's been a leader for many years there, and he's a lover of the Word of God. And I was a little... Uh, uh, a little upset that this Sunday fell on David Goliath, and I was going to come off vacation and need someone to speak, and I had to give that up to someone else. But uh, to John Conti, I'm willing to do that uh, as, a, as a man I respect, a servant leader I respect, and that I, I know that the truths in this passage, is, passage here we're going to see today, you know, are true in your lives. Let's pray, pray for John and for us. Well, Father, uh, we thank you for the Contis. Uh, we pray you bless them, their, their home, their household, their family. Father, we ask, Lord God, that you use John this morning, that what you've been speaking to him, Lord God, you would touch our hearts with. We ask that our hearts are open to you, Holy Spirit, our teacher, and that anointing would touch our lives and we would be different for the glory of God. Lord, use this time. Uh, in spreading the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you there. Yeah, I just got it. Yeah, yeah. You've got some water there if you need it. Thank right? you, well, welcome, everybody. Uh, you know, youth, that I remember some lock-ins and rockathons and overnights and stuff like that. So uh, I know it's a lot of fun, but I've got one word for you. Wake up. We got, this is, I know, it's... Uh, this isn't the time to catch up on sleep. You can do that this afternoon right afterwards. In fact, you know, if you guys have your cell phones, lift up your cell phones, okay? If you don't have a Bible with you, if you don't have your Bible with you, I'd like you all to follow along today uh, in a Bible app. I'm going to tell you just exactly how to do it. It's, uh, there's one that I like particularly called BibleGateway.com, and you can choose all sorts of versions, and you can very quickly find your, uh, uh, your references, but BibleGateway.com. Uh, I'll be reading some scriptures, but please follow along, especially once we get into 1 Samuel 17, which is the whole story. It's like 60-some verses all about, um, all about David and Goliath. But I'm not going to read every one of those, but I want you to follow along and fill in the gaps as I'm, as I'm going along. Okay? So have your Bibles open. Uh, but this Bible app, you know, there's enough junk on the uh, cell phones. Why not put a nice Bible uh, 
application on there. It's not really an app. It's just a website. But go ahead. I want, I'd like you guys to follow this. We're talking about David, teenager, right? So this is great for you guys. Who hasn't heard the story of David and Goliath? I, I found that was going to be probably the challenge. Like, everybody's heard about it. If you haven't, spoiler, David wins the battle. He beats Goliath, okay? But we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, do you believe it's true? Yeah. Or just another Sunday school story we tell kids? Okay. Yeah, it, it's... Um, I would tell the kids in River Kids, there, there's one test. You know, did Jesus believe it? Did Jesus talk about it? Okay. Well, what, as I'm looking on this, uh, researching for this um, sermon, I'm looking up David and Goliath and the armor and, and the battlefield and looking up all sorts of stuff. And there's a lot out there by people with, like, PhDs and all sorts of alphabets after their names that discount that maybe David didn't even exist. David didn't even exist, much less Goliath, much less uh, a a lot of these other battles that that we read about in the Bible. They don't give the Bible the historical credence that it deserves, that it has survived, okay? Uh, But isn't that just like the tactics of the enemy, who who even now wants to discount that, that there's a God? wants to discount your, your faith, wants to take that away. It's done it for thousands of years. It's amazing that our Bible has survived, that Christianity has survived all these years. To me, that's a testimony. That's, that's evidence that demands a verdict that, yes, our faith is true. Our faith is true. So I tell the kids in River Kids, uh, Jesus talked about David. Jesus talked about Jonah. He talked about Solomon. All those guys existed. So in River Kids, I say, Jesus said it. I believe it. That should settle it. Period. All you have to do. Now, the evidence for Jesus is overwhelming. It's great. So you get that foundation, get that foundation, and no one can take that away. I mean, history has proven over and over again this is solid, so trust the words of Jesus. Okay? Now, uh, one of the uh, things with David and Goliath, we put up some of these little, uh, fun little pictures here coming on up. Such a popular story. Now, don't let the word story fool you. I mean, don't we all have a story? It's not just a fable. It's not just a, uh, a legend. But we all have a story. So the story has had a lot of artwork, a lot of images. Uh, this one is kind of, I, I thought that was kind of a fun one. But you can find hundreds of different pieces of artwork. I like this one right there. That, that just spells it out. Little guy being in the, the big old giant. Uh, now Goliath, big old guy. We'll talk, talk about that in a minute here. Now, this one I like a lot. I don't know if you can tell, but uh, Goliath is outnumbered in this one. And, and that's kind of the essence of the story right there. That's the essence of the story. The giant in front of you is never bigger than the God who lives inside you. All right. 
All right. Well, I want to start out. Jesus, as I mentioned, talked about David. And uh, in Matthew 22, verses 41 to 45, and in your app, go ahead and you can plug that one in if you want. All of these are going to be from the New King James Version, and there's a reason for it, and I'll get into that in a little bit as well. All right, but in Matthew 22, verse 41, uh, Jesus is talking. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, The son of David. And that's to fulfill prophecy. The Messiah was to be, the Christ was to be uh, a descendant in the line of David. Verse 43, he said them, said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. And Jesus says, If David then calls him Lord... How is he his son? And if no one and no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone question him anymore. Jesus answered a lot of questions with with a question and kind of uh, stifled the the tricks that they wanted to trap him for. So here's a story, a true story from the Word of God about a real person named David. Now, in Pastor Stevens earlier. Uh, sermon this month, uh, this past month, we know that David, the youngest of eight sons of Jesse, was anointed to become king. We know that he tended his father's flock of sheep, which meant that he must have spent a lot of time outside, admiring nature, admiring God's creation. But you know what? Being alone, being alone all the time does not necessarily mean you have to be lonely. Or bored. Okay? If you spend time in, in the presence of the creation, of the creator's creation, and, and get in tune with that, you're not alone. And that was David. David must have filled his days marveling at God's creation, observing the cycle of life of the sheep, of the animals, of the birds, uh, uh, of all that. Surely he must have spent a lot of nights just sleeping under the stars. Some of his psalms talk about uh, the heavens declaring the glory of God and the firmament showing his handiwork. Despite his solitude, he became a man of character. I can imagine God being interviewed by the prophet Samuel uh, and Samuel saying, you sure you know what you're doing here, God? This guy is just a, a little smelly shepherd boy. Is it, and, and I could hear God answering something like, hey, I know this kid. We talk all the time. He uses his gifts to write me songs. He sings me songs all the time. He's got great strength and he's not afraid. I can work with that. I can work with that. Yeah. When Saul was tormented by evil spirits, and with the need of soothing music, David had already developed an impressive list of qualifications. And here's some of his qualifications. Uh, in 1 Samuel 16, 
18. This is just all setting us up for our, for our battle scenes here. But, but uh, Saul had already lost the anointing of God, and he was tormented by evil spirits. So he needed some comfort. When a man in his, um, in his service said, uh, and I'll start reading in verse 18, Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. As a shepherd guy, all right? This is before he's done anything, but yet the Lord has placed this on somebody in King Saul's court, that this guy is a quality individual. I mean, even just saying that he's a handsome guy. I mean, you're out in the woods all the time, or out in the fields all the time. I imagine you'd be dusty and, and uh, don't care for yourself and maybe lack a few baths along the way. But, but he took care of himself. A man of valor. Already he's got uh, a resume of being, uh, having valor. Okay? So Saul sends for him, but allows him to uh, return back to his father's uh, care to take care of the sheep on quite a lot of, you know, quite often. Okay? Um, David spent much of his time alone in the fields with the sheep. He had a heart to commune with God and, and uh, be just absorbed in contemplation with him. But I imagine that he probably rehearsed a bunch of songs and a bunch of sermons with the sheep. Wouldn't you think? I mean, he's a, he's a teenage kid after all, right? Yeah, surely he would do that. I could, can't you just see him? All right, y'all, gather around. Yep. Come in from the gathering place. Get right up here, Okay. Need, need you to get started. We're gonna, I've got a, I'm running this sermon by you. And then uh, let's do 95, Psalms 95. And so he's got them all together. Uh, uh, and he starts preaching to them. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, all of you. Now, nobody got that. Okay. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms, for the Lord is the great God uh, and the great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Can you just imagine how just in tune to God, in tune to the nature, in tune to creation, he was to write something like this, okay? Number uh, verse six. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Can't you see all the sheep wanting to just kneel before the Lord, their Maker? For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Can I get an amen? Blah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if any of you have a need, please come see the altar sheep on either side of the uh, auditorium here at the end. Now, please turn in your hymnals to page 48 as we sing, uh, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. Thank you very much. Anyway, I, you could just imagine. You, you could just imagine. I can imagine. Maybe you can't, but I can. Uh, so what is a man 
after God's own heart. David is about to be put to God's test. Now, another little spoiler, David was not the underdog in this. Now, we talk about being the underdog. This is a common story in sports. You know, uh, underdog little team beats a Goliath big team. No way they should beat them. They're going to face them. But, uh, you know, so that it's kind of a common theme in our current culture. You know, peacocks beat the wildcats, uh, crazy stuff that nobody likes to hear anymore. But the uh, let's follow along in your Bible app, uh, in your Bible. First Samuel 17. You know, First Samuel 17. As I mentioned, there's many versions of this, but this one I like is the New King James Version as we go along. Uh, before we get started, there's a, a little map I want to show you, a, a photo. As I'm looking up to see, you know, what's, what's real, what's not real, uh, this is the area, the Valley of Elam, Elah. Uh, on the left side, on the left side, is where the Israelite encampment was, where David and Saul and, uh, and the Israelite army was set. In the middle there, where there's like a little field and, and such, that's the valley. That's where the battle was to take place. That's where David faced Goliath. And on the right side is the Philistine camp, okay? Uh, right down the middle, it's hard to tell, but there's a little stream. Dry a lot of the times. It just dry a lot of times. Sometimes it's got water in it, but it's just, just dry. Uh, there were a lot of pictures of this. Philip said, you know, that looks more like Kentucky. It's green and lush. Uh, a lot of other pictures that I've seen, it's more like you would expect, kind of rocky and dry and, and that sort of thing. This just happens to be a little bit more, uh, more of a picture. But there's a lot of archaeology digs and stuff that show that there were military encampments uh, on this. It's not far from Bethlehem. It's not far from uh, where the you know, palaces were eventually set up. So it's a real place. It's a real, real place. Uh, but let's start in the setting uh, in 1 Samuel. The, so the two armies were facing each other uh, on this site. And uh, let me go up to uh, start with like verse 2. I'm not sure if I've got it up here or not. I think I've got verse 3. But uh, verse 2, and Saul and, and the men of Israel were gathered together. And they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up a battle array against the Philistines. Now verse 3. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. They estimate that's nine feet, nine and a half feet or so, okay? Uh, Goliath's weapons, as you can read in your in your Bible in the Bible app, uh, they talk about the various weights and heights and thicknesses. And I mean, he this guy was massive. He was a champion. He was a warrior. He was a fighter, and he had all the toys. Okay, he had the, the spears and javelin, sword. Um, he had a, another guy with him, a shield bearer, that would actually go before him. Okay, that was just one more thing he didn't have to carry. We'll send this guy out in front of him. Okay. So this guy is, is loaded up. A champion, I'm looking up definitions on this. Uh, a, a champion in this sense 
was like the one who would go out in place of the whole army. So you could face, you know, your best guy against my best guy, winner takes all. Well, and look that up. That actually was a tradition. That actually was something that they would do in history throughout throughout history. And so that was valid. Okay. Now, in the earlier sermons, uh, Stephen mentioned, who was the tallest guy in Israel? King Saul, right? So it would fall on King Saul, probably, to be the champion to go and face Goliath. Somewhere in there it says they were greatly dismayed and afraid. Okay? Goliath... uh, just intimidated him so much. Let's look at uh, how he did that, the challenge by Goliath. Uh, Skip down now to 1 Samuel 17, verse 8. Goliath, uh, when he stood and cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verse 10, And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. All right, now this was going on for 40 days, and David hadn't heard a thing about this. He was out tending his flock. But at this point, his father sends him on a pizza delivery mission. Bread, cheese, that's pizza, right? Anyway, sends him with some bread for his brother's, cheese for, the, for the, the leaders, for the commanders, and says, let me know how things are going out there, David. Sends him on his way. David hears this challenge 40 days into it, and he is ticked. He says, what is going on? He has been communing with God for all this time. He knows that there is a God of creation. He knows that Israel is called by by God, to be their, uh, his people. Okay? And now he's hearing this guy challenge him, talking, talking trash, intimidating, and it's working. And so uh, David starts asking, kind of a good teenage question, well, if somebody kills him, what will be done for this guy? Right? And he asks this three or four times in, in, this, in the scripture, well, what will be done? And the answer is kind of the same. He says, Saul will grant you riches. He'll give you one of his daughters to marry. And your family gets a tax break. Who can argue with that? I mean, go. I'm in, right? So he asks this several times. Well, David recognizes the evil in this intimidation. If you all will look at uh, verse 26, David recognizes the evil. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? It wasn't 
the wife or the tax breaks or the riches. It wasn't that. He is jealous for God. He is jealous for God. He says, this guy is insulting our God. He says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this guy? Yeah, he's big. He's got a big mouth. He says, who is this guy? He is defying God. Like that picture with the big angel behind him, David's David's got that confidence that this is God's fight. This is God's fight. But he needs to participate. Well, David didn't know it, but God had prepared him for this moment and put in his heart what he must do. It wasn't about the reward. It was about the honor of God in the sight of the Israelite army and in the sight of the armies all around the world for the whole assembly. Now, David's oldest brother tries to talk him out of it. Okay? And actually, at this point, if, you've, if you're reading in the, in the scripture there, at this point, David hasn't even said he's going to go fight him yet. He's just saying, what, what would be done for this guy? Who is this guy? He hasn't really offered to do that. But David's brother knows David, I, apparently, he thinks. He tries to talk him out of this crazy idea, insulting David's intentions and motives. Okay? Basically, he's calling him a self-serving punk with, with uh, a lot of selfishness, with a lot of big talk. You know, David answers, though. David answers with confidence and without contention. Now, I could get in a fight with brothers and sisters, and we could argue all day long, but he didn't. Okay? But he answered them. He answered them. And in verse 29, okay, and this is in the, again, the New King James Version, uh, and I'll tell you why I say that. And, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Surely everybody should have seen that there was a cause, that something's got to be done, not just run and hide. Is there not a cause? Now, the reason I'm using the King James or New King, King James Version, that's the only place I found where it says, is there not a cause? Because in other versions, maybe the one you have in your lap right now, it talks about, uh, all I said was a word. All I was doing was talking. It, it, the, the, the translation was a little bit different. But this one, is there not a cause, speaks volumes and just really fits this scenario. Is there not a cause? Shouldn't somebody stand up? There's got to be somebody to stand up. Our God is bigger than this guy. Okay? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. These people answered him as the others did. Okay, Riches and a wife and tax break and all that. But that was, he was wanting to get heard because then Saul hears that David is rattling the cage a little bit, calls him in, calls him in, all right? Saul tries talking him out of it, okay? You're a kid. This guy's a warrior. You're little. He's big. He's got weapons. What are you going to do? Well, David's got a resume. He's got a resume, and he... It's like an interview. Do I ever go to a job interview? 
why do you feel qualified to uh, work in this job? And so you answer. And so in Samuel, First uh, Samuel 17, starting at 34, David's talking to the king. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Face-to-face combat with a lion, bear. Now, he says, when a lion or a bear, it sounds like he did this more than once. Sounds like it wasn't, oh, yeah, I got one lion on hanging on the wall. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like this happened once, you know, quite often. And maybe he started small. He didn't say that, oh, yeah, when, when the rabbits came and scared us, I chased the rabbits away. And then the, uh, the jackals, and then uh, maybe he worked himself up. I would think. I would think that was the case. He didn't start with a bear or lion, but he ended up killing bears and lions to defend the sheep, okay? Verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear... Get that, okay? He's not just bragging on himself. He's not bragging on himself. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now Saul tries to get him to wear his armor uh, tries to fit him up as if, like, in place of himself. Saul wasn't going to go. He's terrified. He's terrified. Forty days he's been terrified. But he still thinks the solution is his armor and, and doing business the way he would envision and normally done in, in combat. But David said, this doesn't fit. This ain't not me. That's not how I killed a lion and a bear. Over the time, he develops skills, okay? Over the time alone, he develops skills. He develops skills with that sling. That wasn't his first time he used a sling. You know, man, as a kid, I'd get tied up. I'd be throwing baseball all the time. I'd be shooting all the time. All this stuff. I mean, you just don't do it like one day and forget about it. You do it all the time until you get good. You're thinking pros, Right? You want to be in the pros one day. So you're working it. You're doing it. So this sling, I bet he lined up those Pepsi cans, and he was able to take those right out all the time. You know, he was getting pretty darn good with with that sling. And and so this was not his his first. um, So he had confidence in his skills, but he had more confidence that God was going to use those skills that he developed the, from the talents that God gave him in this situation. Now, Goliath, oh my goodness, starts trash-talking. Starts trash-talking. He is angry. What are you sending at me? He was looking to face Saul or some other mighty warrior. 
not a kid in, a, in sandals and in a tunic with a staff. Probably didn't even see the sling. He's looking at the staff and he's saying, you're coming at me with sticks, what's up? So he curses David by his gods, by his false gods. He's just, he's just ticked off and talking trash. Well, after he gets it out of him, himself, David speaks a decree. David speaks a de- decree that the battle is the Lord's. So in verses 45 through 47, Then David said to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. His motive still is God of Israel. His confidence is in the, confidence is in the God of Israel. Then all this assembly... This isn't just to build up the Israelites. This is to send a message to all the other armies, okay? That all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now the result, David picks up his five smooth stones. There's some thought, why did he pick up five? Wouldn't God just use the one and only took one? Some folks say, well, he had four brothers or relatives that were giants, so that maybe after he took out Goliath, he'd go after the others. We don't know, but he took out five. Uh, In our military, you you don't just go out with one round. Oh my goodness, you, you load yourself up and go, all right? Hopefully it only take a small amount of ammo. Well, uh, to go do it. But David picked up five. That's the story. He takes one, slings it, whaps him in the head, kills the giant. Fall, he falls down, and David takes Goliath's own sword and finishes the deal, cuts his head off. And this is a gruesome part of the story. Our pastor Joel told this story. I don't know who was here would remember that, but then he would go on, and and in the Bible it talks about David picking up his head, taking it around to Jerusalem. He says, what was that, Goliath? You you defy our armies? Is that what you said? I can't hear you. I mean, and he (laughs) was, kids, you know. Anyway, so he was uh, hauling this stuff, hauling the head around, showing the, the assembly, showing the towns, showing everybody, our God did this. Our God killed their toughest guy. Well, you know what? Early on, Goliath was saying, well, whoever wins will be your servant. If we win, you'll be our servants. If you win, we'll be your servants. Well, that's not what happened. Them Philistines ran like chickens. They just took off, and that just rallied the Israelite army. They chased after him, plundered him, and just what David said, his decree, uh, 
the, the Philistine bodies were laid out, and there's a great victory and turned the tide for Israel. Okay. Now, on declarations and decrees, okay, uh, more and more believers are learning the power of agreeing with God in our hearts and declaring things from our mouths, okay? Uh, those of you that follow Dutch Sheets and uh, Flashpoint and uh, the, some of these others, the, the decrees, what you say out of your mouth, uh, not just being you know, bold and, and uh, not just saying what you want to say, but saying what, uh, coming in agreement with what God wants you to say and do. That's what David did. That's what David did. So for us, uh, the power of God's word and from what Holy Spirit says prophetically must be released by us. God wants us to participate. They said the battle is God's, but yet David had to participate. He had to, you know, rise up and go and decree and take action, okay? The battle was the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's, okay? But we must participate. We've got giants. We've got a lot of giants. Who are the giant killers? We could be the giant killers, but we need to take uh, what, what David did, be so in tune. I talk with the kid a lot. I talk with God a lot. We need to be there and be able to, to uh, state, to verbalize just what God wants us to do. All right? Here are some reasons to speak out verbally or to confess or to declare. One, it increases our faith. Okay? You start talking it out, spelling it out, it increases your faith. It releases our faith. Releasing our faith by stating what we believe is how we're born again. When you speak it, when, you, when you're born again, you have to confess and, and say it. Bring it out, okay? The faith in our hearts must be released through our mouths, okay? It releases God's power and life when we utter it out. It releases. Jesus spoke to storms. He, he spoke to fig trees. He spoke to dead people. None of those could hear. But he spoke, okay? He didn't so, uh, again, not because they have ears, but because he was coming in agreement with God, what God wanted to have happen. Okay? And it releases the sword of the Spirit, like in Ephesians 6. Use the sword of the Spirit. Uh, we bind and loose, we forbid and allow with the authority Christ has delegated to us. And this is accomplished by declaring his words and declaring God's will. Okay? Obviously, we must pray and decree according to God's will and word. Uh, when we do so, our declarations and decrees release life, release power, his will, and kingdom rule. You know, I... I found uh, in encountering folks that maybe have depression, have some issues, uh, uh, just feeling like they're overwhelmed, one of the things that seemed to work, worked for me in, in a situation I had when I was a teenager, actually, um, somebody said, just read the Scripture aloud. Just read, the, read it aloud. Don't just read the Scripture. 
verbalize it. You don't have to be in front of anybody. Just just verbalize it. You're talking. You're speaking God's words and promises back to him. Okay? But it does something in your spirit. Now, it does something in your spirit. And I, I had a... Um, I don't know what it was. I'm I'm not prone to depression, but this was a time when it, when it was. It was on me. Someone was on me. And I was reading... Uh, I was actually in a, in a play in the, with the youth, and we had, uh, and I was so down, I told somebody else, I said, if I can't make it out here, you read it. He goes, oh, no, you better make it. You better come on out here. So I came out, read the scriptures that I had to read, and I could feel it, which it released. And in other times, you just do that. It's like medicine. It's like medicine to you. Speak it. Release it. Speak that scripture back to God. Okay? Now, here's another sample declaration. Who's our giants, okay? Uh, declaration I came across. I declare to God that you will release your judgments against your enemies, not against people, not against the sinner, but against the powers of darkness, the spiritual forces, the giants, against atheism. The name of Jesus is exalted above you, powers of death. The name of Jesus exalted above you, covenant-breaking racism, abortion, perversion, false gods and religion. This nation and others will return to covenant with you. Now, if you look up uh, the, the nation's, what is it, um, a national decree. can be found on uh, Intercessors for America, can be found on uh, Victory Channel. These guys got together and wrote out a pretty lengthy decree for the nation. So if you have on your heart the giants of corruption in our government, if you have on on your heart the giants of perversion in our society, if you have on your heart uh, the the giants of uh, false religions, and human, uh, humanism, and all these other things. If those giants are on your heart, look up this decree. Look up this decree and say it. And, sh- and come together with others around the nation to decree this thing together, all right? Uh, so look, look that up. I have it here, but uh, just for sakes of time, I'm going to continue on to my takeaways. Uh, and if the praise team would like to come on up and the altar ministry we can just finish up but on our takeaways uh for today first thing you are not alone number one you are not fighting battles by yourself you're not alone spend time with god loneliness and boredom are tricks of the enemy Spend time with God to marvel at his creation. Be absorbed with creation and his love. And have a thankful heart. Number two, develop your God-given talents and giftings. You know, we waste a lot of time. We waste an awful lot of time. Has God given you a gift of song? Has he given you a, a gift of strength or worship? Has he given you... Uh, a, a talent to write. Develop these things. Is your is your gifting to encourage others? Is it for intercession? Develop-
develop these, okay? Get off the electronic media. <laughs> Speaking to the choir. You know, we, we do. We spend so much time on it. Electronic media, the games and the, and the movies and the social media. Get off that. Develop your God-given talents. You've got the time. David had the time, okay? And God used those for a great purpose. Number three, know that you are facing giants. I, I, in this day and age of news, how can we not know that we're facing giants? We are facing giants. Uh, maybe that giant is a burden for the lost, especially for family members. Maybe for the lost uh, folks that are held captive in false religions around the world or even you know, locally. Maybe that giant is injustice and perversion, corruption. They're giants. They need someone to come, you know, to come and, and do battle. The battle is the Lord's, but he needs us to participate. Number four, know that God desires to fight your battles. It is his pleasure to kick the enemy's butt. Okay? That is his desire. Not just that, but to destroy his plans. To destroy his plans. But he needs you to engage. He needs us to engage, to take action as he directs you. Okay? David could have just been some loudmouth kid. He could have just been some loudmouth kid. Right? But he knew what God wanted him to do. That's the difference. That's the difference. Okay? Number five, declare God's decrees and engage the enemy. You must participate, as I said. Use your voice and agree with God in declaration and prayer. Number six, be strong and courageous in full confidence of God. It's that confidence in God that gives you courage. And finally, know, know God. Let it be said of you by God. I know this kid. We talk all the time. I trust him. He's got a heart after me. I can work with that. God is our true champion. David stood when he needed to stand, but he had faith in God. Let us have that faith in God as well. Thank you, Lord. I'll stand and sing this together and I would encourage you to just stay with us and sing this with us don't walk out of the room just yet oh Lord my God 